And, and when he shows us things to come, we have to stay on course because if we lose sight of what he has spoken, we'll get detoured. We'll not reach the destination and there's way too many people who have detoured. They've gotten off course. They've, they, they've been affected or influenced by something and their emotions have gotten connected to whatever it is. And there are people out there who know they're off course. There are people out there who know they're not where they're supposed to be. There are people who know they've gone off. And they need, I'm telling you, you need to get back on course because you don't want to die in that state. You don't want, you don't want to, 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 experience your demise without getting things back in, in, in right standing with the creator. Shalom, saints, and welcome to our verse-by-verse study of the book of Genesis. I'm your host and teacher, Arthur Balick. Noah was a righteous man living in the midst of unrighteousness without blemish in the midst of fallen people. Noah did not let the evil and corrupt society he lived in corrupt his character. Noah walked with Jehovah when others chose not to walk with Jehovah, and instead of taking Noah like Jehovah took Enoch, he started over with Noah. Noah did not allow the rejection of his preaching to stop him from preaching or give up on the people he preached to until Jehovah told him to go into the ark. Today's study is the days of Noah. So, let's study. Well, we are talking about the days of Noah. And it just so happened that we're studying from Genesis chapter 6, and yet the days of Noah is spoken in that manner in the Gospels. And yet, in the Gospels, it doesn't tell us what was going on in the days of Noah. And yet, we know that according to um, Yeshua, that this time was a marker to give us insight and to give us a clue even concerning uh, things that are to come. And so what we're going to do here tonight is we're going to read and we're going to read some, some verses that we read last week, but we're going to go back and, bring, and, and then move forward. So in verse 8 of Genesis chapter 6, we read, But Noah found grace in the eyes of Jehovah. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with Elohim. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before Elohim, and the earth was filled with violence. And Elohim looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And Elohim said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. 
and this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. This is how you are to build it. And, and I put here, just so you will have that cubit, 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. And that's according to the NIV and the New Living Translation. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower second and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons, and thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark, to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female, of fowls after their kind, and of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And thou shalt take unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah according to all that Elohim commanded him, so did he. Now, there, there's a lot here um, that we're going to take a look at, and, and we're going to move uh, quite, quite swiftly. Uh, to be frank, and give uh, you as much information uh, from these passages as we can. As I said, there are markers in Scripture given to us by Messiah Yeshua that serves as signs of the times and give us clues to how close we might be to the return of Messiah. The days of Noah are one of those markers. Yeshua made a, a statement that was captured in both Matthew and Luke's gospel where he said these words. In Matthew 24, 36, he says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but, by, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days of Noah were that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the son of man be. And then in Luke chapter 17, verse 26, and as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. And so we see, we open up this particular passage with this verse, but Noah found grace in the eyes of Jehovah. Now, to get a picture, and we're going to, we're going to, um, uh, capture this in 
a PowerPoint later on of what was going on during that time. But the thing that that fascinates me when I read this is, but Noah found grace in the eyes of Jehovah. And the question, because as I've shared with you before, when I read the Bible, I ask questions. I'm thinking in my, in my, in my mind, I'm praying unto the Almighty because I want him to show me what it is that I should see, which is why I'm going back, because these things are written for our examples. They're things that are given to us for an example for us in our day. And so what caused Noah to find grace in Jehovah's eyes? And the Bible reveals three characteristics of Noah. One, Noah was just. Now, that word is righteous. Noah was righteous, and he was righteous in the midst of unrighteousness. The Hebrew there is Sadiq, and it means to be righteous, to be just, to be lawful. And so in the midst of all that was going on that grieved the Almighty, there was a man named Noah who lived righteous in the midst of unrighteousness. Secondly, Noah was perfect. Now that word is he was upright, without blemish, in the midst of fallen people, living upright in the midst of people who have fallen. And it means to be without blemish, perfect, upright, without spot. Remember, the Bible says that when Messiah comes, he's going to be coming for a people who is without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle. Noah was that man, that person in the day when the world around him. Noah is an example of how you can live a righteous life in the midst of people who are not interested in living righteous. Now, the word here uses just, but it's the word Sadiq, which is righteous, and it is, it is a word that is associated with holy. So Noah was a just, Noah was a righteous man. And you got to remember that Noah was the descendant of Shem. The Bible tells us that Shem was given to Mr. and Mrs. Adam, and Mrs. Adam said, Father has given me another because of, I'm sorry, um, Seth. Noah was a descendant of Seth, getting my S's mixed up. But Noah, Noah was the father of Shem, but he was a, de a, a descendant of Seth. And remember that after Seth was born, he had a son named Enos. And the Bible says when Enos was born, men began to call on the name of Jehovah. So, so Noah had this lineage all the way back to, 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 to Seth, who begat Enos. And so when it came down to righteousness, it's not that righteousness didn't exist, but people forgot. They began to live like the world around them was living. 
And Father is watching all of this. Now, the sad thing about it is that the people were living, his creation was living in his presence, unaware of his presence, living a life as if they were their own. Like Enoch, Noah walked with Jehovah when others chose not to walk with him. So what do we have? Noah was uh, just. Um, Noah was, was uh, righteous or perfect. Noah was, um, he walked with Jehovah. And, and I got to tell you, brothers and sisters, as, as I read this, it, 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 it's, it's somewhat troublesome to me, but it is also very encouraging. And you'll see why here in just a moment. Instead of taking Noah like Jehovah took Enoch, Jehovah started over with Noah. Noah is one of two people that the Bible says actually walked with Jehovah. Enoch walked with him, but the Bible says he was without for Jehovah took him. And so Jehovah now sees another one who is walking with him, but instead of taking him like Enoch, again, he starts over. In verse 9, it says, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man, a perfect man in his generations, and Noah walked with Elohim. Noah did not let the evil and corrupt society he lived in corrupt his character. Remember what Paul wrote? Paul says evil communications corrupt good character. And so Noah is surrounded by corrupt people, violent people, and yet he maintained his character in the midst of all of this. Noah did not allow the rejection of his preaching stop him from preaching or give up on the people he preached to until Jehovah told him to go into the ark. In other words, until the flood, Noah preached. The Bible tells us that he was a preacher of righteousness. Now, when you are preaching and people are not positively responding, to your preaching, it can affect you. And this is why we have to separate ourselves. We cannot allow our emotions and our feelings to get in the way of what we are called to do. When you're dealing with people as human beings with carnal feelings, and emotions, there's a tendency to allow the society or the people we care about and love who reject what we're saying to affect us to the degree that we just might stop saying it. Why? Because we don't want to be rejected. Oh, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. I'm tired of listen. Listen. You, you hear me? This begins to wear on you after a while. When people reject 
what you consider to be good news, if you're not careful, the good news that you believe is good news won't become good news even to you. And so Noah didn't allow rejection of his preaching stop him from preaching. Nor did he give up. And I'll tell you something, brothers and sisters, you can preach and preach and preach and be rejected and rejected and rejected to where you give up. You become cynical. You, 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 you even start preaching. They're, they're preaching. I, I, I know this for a fact. You can preach with the expectation of being rejected. And so rejection enters in. I know you're not going to hear me. I know you're not going to do what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> and I, I hear it. I, I hear it. I've heard it coming from me. And I've had to revamp that because what you are presenting, if, 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 if what you're presenting to people has a spirit of rejection already on it, what is going to be the response of the people who are hearing it? They're going to reject it. And now you knew they were going to reject it anyway. See? So you, you are, we don't have to fortify ourselves by projecting rejection. It's like if you don't believe and speak what you're preaching like you believe it really has life, how can you be preaching a word of life filled with death? And so Noah didn't give up. In verse 11, Genesis 6, the earth was also corrupt before Elohim and the earth was filled with violence. And Elohim looked down upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Now, it's one thing for men to be corrupt. It's another thing for the earth to be corrupted. Now, the thing that, that we will see as we go forth is Man can spoil the ground. Man can corrupt the earth. As we're dealing with um, technology and industry and coal mining and nuclear um, energy, we know that the the grounds around this technology and the advancement of men becomes destroyed. The water becomes bad. The, the ground becomes unusable. The chemicals that men are using to, to, to grow food, to sustain itself. And, and this, this ought to be a warning to people if the stuff that they're putting on the food is destroying the ground, the food is coming out from, what do you think the food is? 
This is the stuff that is being put in our bodies. And, and here we are today to where cancer is wreaking havoc even on the unborn. You got, you got children with cancer in the womb, it seems. Children who are born with defects and deformities and, and cancer and, and, and all of these things that are going on while people are saying, hey, peace, peace, everything is fine. That's not bad. That's not bad. That's not bad. All for the sake of a dollar. People are getting rich on destroying and corrupting the earth. And it is in such bad shape right now to where trying to grow vegetables, even in the garden, in your home, on your own land, you have no idea what happened to that land before you got it. You're buying ground that you don't even know if where you live used to be a graveyard. Because the history is not there. You can't find out. You can't go back. I mean, you can do some searching and some researching, but you don't know. You really don't know. And this is why it's important. I believe even for Father, when, you know, as, as, as we're going to get into, in, deeper into Torah, that it was important for individuals who had land to dedicate that land. Even to the point father thought it was so important to where if, if, if a man was sent to war and he hadn't dedicated his house, it was grounds for him to be given a leave to go and dedicate his house. You know, the Bible doesn't give us all the intricacies and the details of it. But I'm going to tell you something, whenever you get into a property, whenever you get on a land, whenever you move even into an apartment, I still make a habit when I go out of town and I go into a hotel to dedicate that room because I don't know what was in there before me. I don't know who slept in that bed before me. Could have been two men as far as I know or two women. Could have been somebody committing adultery. Could have been a pedophile. I don't know who was sleeping in that bed but I know this I'm sleeping in it now and I know this is not my ground it's not my land but during the time I'm paying that hotel fee I can put my do not disturb sign on the door I don't want people coming in when I'm not in there I don't want folks coming cleaning I don't know what they what they doing when they come in there and clean I'm just saying, you see. And so Father looked down upon the earth and it was corrupt. And then it says in verse 12, for all flesh had corrupted his way. This is man and beast. The word flesh there is associated with both man and beast. Now, some translation says all humanity. Some says all, all, all men, all people. But the word there is all flesh, and it's the same word for the flesh of animal as it is for the flesh of man or the flesh of beast. And the father says all. And by virtue of the fact that he destroyed the animals or the beast when he brought the flood and started over with the ones that he had brought to Noah, as we're going to see, the days of Noah was worse 
than the days we live in. Now, you may find that hard to believe. But this is this is the thing that I that I've seen in the study that the days of Noah was worse than the days we live in. The days we live in is becoming like the days of Noah. When Noah, when Messiah says it will be like the days of Noah. What he, what, what he was warning us of is things are going to get so bad because you have to ask yourself. Father saw no hope for creation. He saw absolutely no hope. Now, when it came down to sending Cain away, Cain went out of the presence of the Almighty and all the things that began to happen and polygamy and some of the other um, notorious stuff, murder. The first murder outside of Cain, uh, outside of Abel, was Cain's descendants. And it's gotten to the point to where Seth's descendants and Cain's descendants have, have married. And now the, the influence of the corruption of Cain has affected the righteousness of the line of Seth to the point to where all flesh is now corrupt because of the corruption that was allowed to exist. And what Father is saying to us through this particular story is that even though all the flesh around you can corrupt itself, you don't have to. You really don't have to. All flesh is not corrupt. There are people who are trying to live righteous in the midst of our unrighteous society. See, it was worse in Noah's day. And as bad as it is, it was worse in Noah's day. It's not as bad as it was then. Are you getting this? As a matter of fact, after the flood, it, 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 it descended into chaos again with Sodom and Gomorrah, which is another marker. You see, for father to rain fire down on a city and destroy a whole city. There are some, there are some cities that are bad but there's still some people in those cities that are preservation. People called Las Vegas, Sin City. There's a lot of sin in Las Vegas. But there are people in Las Vegas that I believe are the preservators. Las Vegas has descended, descended into the corruption of a Sodom or Gomorrah. It's, it's headed in that direction. But it's not just Las Vegas, brothers and sisters, Charlotte, North Carolina. There's some wickedness going on in this city that you, man, it's, it's, it's not called the queen city for nothing. There's, some, there's corruption 
all around us. But in the midst of all that corruption, there are people who are still trying to live righteous in the midst of an unrighteous society. And that, that's, that should give us hope. That should be hope for you. There are people who are standing for truth, who are being persecuted for their righteous stance on the ungodly, on the wicked, people who are living violent lifestyles of the people of our day. Had somebody write us, what, yesterday? Was it yesterday? You know, they, they wanted, I assume they heard a teaching I did um, last week, whereas uh, I'm talking about um, the, the lifestyle of people who are living man with man, woman with woman. And, and when I put out there, I, one of the first things I'm, I'm going to hear from people, well, don't forget the adulterers and the fornicators. And, and I'm not. I'm not forgetting the adulterers and the fornicators. The abomination of man is so bad where people want to um, try to justify. They try to justify their behavior. And we had somebody, you know, they, they wrote and, and they said, you know, I need to be tolerant. I need to be more inclusive that the, the Christian way is love and that we need to be more inclusive in that King James was a pedophile. And I mean, just making excuses or reasons to where having a lifestyle that is not compliant with our interpretation. And I say our interpretation because everybody don't interpret the Bible like we do. There are people who see that kind of behavior as acceptable within the pages of the book. And I can see with the twisting of scripture that people can twist the scriptures to their favor. And it happens. And we have to be careful that we don't do it. We have to be true to the scripture and not try to justify things that are not justifiable. There are people in messianics and Hebrew uh, roots that, that are justifying things that, that are not justifiable. And they have to go outside the book in order to justify their behavior because their behavior is not found in the book. And I'm talking a lot about traditions and beliefs that people have. When people challenge our positions from scripture, then if scripture doesn't support it, you have to adjust. There is no place in the Bible that says, this is how you are to conduct a service. We got examples. And so we have a way and an order in which we conduct. Can I say that our way is, is, is biblical? No, this is the order in which we, we conduct our services, you see. You got Catholic orders, you got Episcopalian orders, you got Baptist orders, 
Presbyterian orders. You got people and their governance. How they govern. And so you got all kinds of things that people are trying to say is biblical that are not necessarily biblical. It's organizational. And I believe the Bible gives us some organizational latitude in how to organize ourselves and services within the context of Scripture. So I'm not trying to defend an order or anything like that, but people will try to throw that at you as like everything you do is biblical, is everything you do in the Bible. Well, did the Bible tell you to wear that combination you're wearing right now? No. No. I, I put this on because I felt like it. I didn't hear the Holy Spirit says, nope. Now, I did, have a, I did have some socks, and I sensed the Spirit said, no, I don't put them on. So I didn't. <laughs> Yeshua said, and, and shall not Jehovah avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Now, now, these words, when I look at what is happening in the day of Noah, and I make the statement that it's not as bad now as it was then, I'm saying this knowing that society is continuing to descend into corruption, which makes you sure make the statement Okay, will there be any Noahs? Will there be any, any, any Enochs? Will there be anybody with faith before that day comes? Or when that day comes? And, and this is the message to us. Because our society and our environment is continuing to try to wear us down. It's trying to wear you down. It's trying to bring you underneath. I'm continually reevaluating positions that I've taken. Why? Because there are times when I feel that a position I've taken may be extreme. But I come to realize that in order for me to be one of those found faithful when Yeshua comes back is that I got to be extreme. If, if, if I'm not extreme in some places and positions that I've taken and I start giving in to the demands of the environment, pretty soon it's like how, how much compromise do you compromise? How much do you give? How much do you give in to be accepted by a people who is not even trying to please him? See, if there are people trying to please him, then, then I, 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 I may need to adjust myself because my goal is not to alienate myself from people who are trying to please him, but to find ways in which we can walk together 
without compromising to the degree to where when he comes, I'm faithless. And all it takes is a little leaven, a little compromise. The next thing you know, you compromise a little bit more and you compromise a little bit more and you compromise a little bit more. And before you know it, you've compromised yourself away. That's how it works. It's designed to wear you down little by little by little. You see, the world didn't get to the place of the flood overnight. It didn't happen overnight. These were the generations from one generation to the next generation to the next generation to the next generation. Because there was a time in Noah's line where men called upon the Lord. They called upon the name of Jehovah. And now here it is, Noah's the only one calling on the name of Jehovah. That's where it's headed. I asked last week, if Father was going to start over, would he choose you? Would he choose me? Would I be the righteous one? Will you be the righteous one? See, we can look at church and assembly like much of the people in churches and assembly to where you're coming together. You're going to have a great time, brothers and sisters. You're going to have a great time in worship. You're going to hear messages that are going to encourage you and inspire you. And you'll be able to sing and dance and, 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 and you know, just, just get excited with other people. And then what? How, how, how does that translate into righteous living when you are outside of the environment you call church or assembly? How do you live at, how do you live at home? How do your neighbors see you? How do your coworkers see you? And I'll tell you, when, when you start looking at it from that perspective, you become like the prophet who say, man, whoa, <laughs> woe is me. I didn't know how messed up I was until I start comparing myself with what is written. And again, you can find people to compare yourselves with and you come out like a rose. There's always people you can compare yourself to that are slightly worse But it's not about comparing yourself to people. It's about aligning yourself with what is written. How do you line up? Noah was found to be righteous. Verse 13, And Elohim said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. It's like, man, I'm going to mess up the earth. I'm, you know, when he, when he made it, he, he made it good. He made it very good. And, and this was before he planted the garden. The garden was a special place. You see. What we know 
about the days of Noah. Verse 5, Genesis 6, And Elohim saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. So man was wicked. And it was not just minor wickedness. And that imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So man was wicked and all he thought was bad thoughts. Now, you say, well, evil continually. You see, the opposite of good is evil. Wickedness, sometimes when people try to identify wickedness, wickedness, according to the scriptures, disobedience. Evil is, is associated with just being disobedient. Now, it's not defined as disobedience, but that's the essence of it. To be opposite of righteous. <laughs> so you got righteous, wicked, good, evil. The imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And brothers and sisters, I tell you, there are times when I'm ashamed of what's going on in my head. I really am. Because before I came into the knowledge that I have come into in faith in Messiah with his spirit, I was a conniving, scheming, evil thinking. And I'll tell you something, that same mind is still there. I find myself when I'm not monitoring my thoughts the way I should be monitoring my thoughts. I have to catch myself because it's not hard to go back to that, that way of thinking. Well, you're conniving and scheming and, and, and if, if, if we were to be honest, I know if, if I'm honest with myself, left unchecked, I'm a danger to society. I'm a danger to myself because left unchecked, all I'm thinking about is me. That's it. And and if 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 people even even good people who are doing good have some motive that is self-satisfying. We want to be celebrated. I was thinking about some of this wanting to be celebrated. We all want to be celebrated. I've I've been in environments where you know, a preacher will, you know, I know I'm preaching now. I'm preaching good, ain't I? And I'm, and I'm preaching good. It's like, okay, why are you asking how good you're preaching? That's part of that nature of man that want to be affirmed. You want people to comment and, and congratulate. Oh, that was a powerful sermon. And, you know, when I hear stuff like that, I got to guard myself because there was a time 
in my life, that stuff goes to my head. It'll go to you. Oh, man, that was a good sermon. That was one of your best sermons, Pastor. Man, that was good. And it's like, okay, well, how good was it? What are you, how, how are you going to apply what you just heard? Did it tickle your fancy? Did it tickle your, 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 your feelings? Your, did, did it give you revelation and information that you're going to run out and put into practice right away? Did it make you happy inside to where it provokes a change? Are you, are you trying to appease me and, and give me feedback, which I can appreciate, but I have to remember I'm not the one to be celebrated from the sermon. If, if, if the sermon doesn't bring you into a place to where you're celebrating him, then, then have I been effective? Because this is where a lot of the entertaining teaching comes from. Hooping, exciting people, getting people excited. And I know people, man, they will, they, they will excite you to the point to where you come in bald head and next thing you know, your hair starts growing. They just get you all excited. Man, you start... Oh, you start shaking and rocking. Man, go ahead, old pastor. Preach, preach, because it's exciting. But if it's not going to stop you from fornicating, what good was the message? If it's not going to stop you from lying and conniving and stealing and, and cheating and beating up your wife and lusting what good was the message? You got excited, but what change did it provoke in you? Did it, did it break something off you? Did it cause you to make some adjustments? Did it cause you to reevaluate some things or, or to take an introspective of, of yourself as a person? Did it put you in a place to where you're looking at, whoa, I need to make some changes in my life. Because if it doesn't do that, then maybe you think you don't need to make no changes. And if you don't need to make no changes, then what does that say about you? I said, you ready. <laughs> so I, I have to live with the fact that the teaching that is going to set you free is going to deliver you from you. And this is the thing, this is where the disciples confused Messiah's coming in the sense that they thought he was going to deliver them from the bondage of the Romans. When Yeshua was saying, listen, the captives who are in bondage is, is, is not Rome is not your captor. Rome, the Romans is not the one that's got you in bondage. 
And, and if I can be so bold, I can tell you that the devil don't have you in bondage because he's been defeated. So who is your captor? It's, it's the one who's staring at you when you're looking into that, that mirror. And we need to get out of the vanity mirror and get into the real mirror. The mirror of the word is like that glass that, that when a man looks in it and he see what kind of man he ought to be, but then he goes off forgetting what manner of man he's supposed to be. So man was corrupt, his, his, his imagination, his thoughts of his heart was evil continually and it repented Jehovah that he had made man. It grieved him at his heart. Wow. The earth also was corrupt before Elohim and the earth was filled with violence. Genesis 6.12, and Elohim looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. All flesh. And so what do we see? People were wicked. People imagination of thoughts of the heart were evil continually. Jehovah was grieved that he had made man. The earth was corrupt and filled with violence. People were corrupt and corrupted themselves. People were living as if everything was okay. And then on top of this, Noah's trying to tell him everything is not okay, but people were rejecting what Noah was preaching. And then people were going on like, hey, it's my wedding, it's my birthday, it's my anniversary, it's, 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 Celebrate with, celebrate, celebrate. We, we're looking for ways to celebrate. We're looking for things to celebrate. We're looking for people to celebrate. There are new holidays coming up all the time. People are, and so they're marrying and giving in marriage. And people were doing whatever pleased them. People were doing whatever pleased them and they didn't want anybody to say anything about it. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Does it remind you of any error? I can tell you now that in listening to my parents and my granddad, my grandmom, they were saying some of the same stuff concerning society then, years and years and years ago, as we're saying now. And one of the things that we're saying right now is children got it worse. Children got it worse. This, 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 children got it worse than we had. And I can tell you, can you imagine children growing up in the day of Noah? What are they seeing around them? Children growing up in Sodom? 
children growing up in, in Gomorrah? What are they experiencing? What are they seeing? You see, people, people are so um, focused on preserving life to where if we're not living the way he wants us to live, what's the point? What's the point? Noah did not know what to build or how to build it, but Father gave Noah the architectural measurements, instructions, and material to use for the construction of the ark. He says in verse 14, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof with lower second and third stories shalt thou make it. So father explained to Noah what he was going to do so that Noah, his family and their wives and the animals would survive so that they would not be caught up in the wrath that was about to be poured out on the earth. Noah had to follow the instructions given in order to not be destroyed with everyone else. And that's sad, you know, father can talk to Noah, but who else can he talk to? And I can imagine there are people who are saying, because, you know, Noah had siblings. Noah had a mom and a dad. Noah had, had uh, he, he's got a daughter-in-law, but I suspect his sons had brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws and parent-in-laws. So you got all of this going on and Noah is the only person seemingly father is having a conversation with. And I su suspect that Noah was not the only descendant of Seth. Now we can hear from God ourselves. God talked to me. He, he, he can talk to all of us. Well, when's the last time he talked to you? See, when you start drilling down like that, there are people been waiting to hear, on the, hear from the Almighty for a while. It's like, you know what? People, people are making decisions and they're not inquiring. They're making decisions from emotions, from feelings, from hurts from not getting their ways. People are making decisions for a variety of reasons other than what the Almighty is saying because they can't hear from him or haven't heard from them. And it's amazing how people who are godly are making decisions 
and can't hear from him. Well, if, if you can't hear from him and he's not speaking, um, then how are you making the decisions that you're making? And behold, even I do bring a flood of waters upon the earth, verse 17, to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die. So father explained to Noah that he was going to start over with Noah because of the grace he had found in the eyes of Jehovah. And how did he find grace? Noah was just. Noah was perfect. And Noah walked with him. And now we see that because of these, he finds grace. And because of this grace, Father can communicate with him and give him instructions on how to be saved when he's going to destroy everything else. And, and I, I firmly believe that I, I'm so thankful that he, that he opened my eyes to see that his truth has not changed but he has brought the way of redemption through Messiah so that by faith in him, we have access to the Father. We have his spirit to enable us to see his word and how we are to live and conduct ourselves as kingdom citizens in the kingdom of this world. I'll be the first one to admit that when it came, comes down to the world kingdom, his laws may have difficulty being applicable. There are certain things that his laws mandate that we can't carry out unless we, we're looking at spending time in prison. If we were in a land where his king, his, his, his law reigns supreme, you would say that father could very well be a very violent Elohim. Let me tell you something. The Elohim that we serve has demonstrated violence throughout all time. And here's one of the most catastrophic violent event in all of human history to where father decides he's going to wipe out all flesh. That's violence. And so what does he do? He meets violence with violence. Now, when he brings the people of Israel into the land of Israel, he gives them some instructions, but they are governed by his kingdom rule and law. So when they put somebody to death, the only way they, the only one they got to answer to is him. He said, put him to death. They put him to death. There is no Caesar. There is no government that is, is, is going to come in. But see, now we live in the kingdom and we live in the kingdom. And because we are governed in this kingdom by man, the only way we can now exercise kingdom law is by cutting people off, cutting things off. Not coming in line and agreeing, but disagreeing with it and separating and coming out from among it. That's what we can do. Because if we don't come out from among it and be separate, 
we will become like it. We don't want to become like Lot's wife. And, and then we see that, that even though Lot separated himself, seemed like his daughters were more like Lot's wife than like Lot. <laughs> because the thing they did to their father, you see, and, and this is how I can see that, well, let me finish this. Noah found grace. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. Now, Noah's wife, Noah's sons, Noah's sons' wives, and the animals were saved or preserved delivered because of Noah's righteousness, grace in Jehovah's eyes, and they're following him in the midst of a corrupt, wicked, and evil generation. There were some other children who followed their parents. Ma, what do you think about Noah? Noah crazy. Look at him. He building a, a, a big old ship on dry land. How you gonna get that thing to the to the sea. The man that lost it and for years and, and you know I'm imagining Noah's wife and Noah's sons because Noah's sons' wives got parents. You see some sons father, follow their daughter follow their wives Fortunately, Noah's sons had wives who followed them. Fortunately, Noah had a wife who followed him. Because I can imagine that Noah looked, see, folks, there's a lot the Bible don't tell us. But if you know anything about human behavior and human history, you know that people got thoughts. They have thoughts they don't express. They think things they don't say. And it comes out, not only did the rest of mankind perish, but all the beasts and creeping things on the earth and in the air perished. The only life that survived that was not in the ark was the life in the sea, the living creatures that could breathe in and under the water. Notice Noah didn't bring no fish on board, no sharks or sea creatures, because they were preserved. They weren't corrupt. It was everything in the earth. Remember the separation, earth, sea? Noah, his wife, sons, or their wives did not appear to make excuses for the people's behavior, conduct, or way of living. Today, our children and their friends it's amazing how children make excuses for their friends' behavior. Well, do you know what church your friend go to? Well, we don't have them kind of conversations. Well, what kind of conversations do y'all have? What do y'all talk about? You see, don't have a clue who 
their friends are. And I'm going to tell you something about Facebook. Facebook have taken friendship to a whole nother level. People got hundreds of friends who like them. Like, 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 I like you, I like you. Now we're going to love you, we love you, we love you. I love you. And people throw love around like it is, you know, air. We don't know what Noah's wife, sons, or their wives felt or thought about what was going on around them because the Bible doesn't tell us, but I suspect they had thoughts and feelings. Because people do. People, I can, I can imagine Noah's wife having conversations with Noah. You know, after that third, fourth, fifth, sixth year, it's like, Noah, <laughs> Bruh, you know, I love you, man. Um, but are you okay? You know, people are talking, Noah. Honey, don't worry about what people say. I know I've heard from God. Are you sure, Noah? I mean, it's been a while. Hadn't even been a, a lightning or rain or any kind. It's like, You've been building on this boat for a long time. That's a pretty big boat for us. Yeah, but Father's going to bring the animals. The animals? You mean you're going to have us living with animals, Noah? How are we all going to fit on there? And how are you going to do that? It's like you're going to have to go gather the animals? Knowing people as I think I know people, I can't help but wonder if Noah's wife, sons, or daughters-in-law ever wondered if the old man had them all. If Noah was hearing correctly. What if he's wrong? Could all these people be wrong and Noah be the only one right? You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put myself in Noah's, it's one thing to put myself in Noah's son's shoes. It's a whole other thing to try to put myself in Noah's son's wife's shoes. At least, at least Noah raised, raised these boys up. But they done married now. And you know, the Bible don't bother mentioning their parents. Or their siblings. Nevertheless, they seemed to follow Noah and heeded to the things he said. If only we had children like that. But everybody's got their own way of thinking, their own mind, and they have a they're challenged with with trusting with that which is clearly seen and have the tendency to exalt the things and teachings and the ways of the people who are outside of them more so than the one who has covenant with them. 
And that's, that's a sad state of affair. And you got to live with that. You got you to put up with the behavior of others. And looking at Father, I have, to, I, have to, I have to look, I have to keep my eyes on him because we live in a world where, where people are giving up on people. People are giving up on relationships. People are giving up on vows. People are giving up on covenants they've made. People's words don't mean much today like they used to. A handshake doesn't mean as much as it once meant. Courts are filled, backlogged. We have corruption all around us. We have people taking sides. And I'll tell you, it's getting more and more challenging to maintain your walk in Messiah the more corrupt society becomes. And, and I'm here to say to you that it's, it's not as bad as it was then yet. It's not as bad as it was then yet. But yet, it's coming. And the question is, is how we're going to respond to it. And what you do today will determine how you respond to it tomorrow. We have to fortify our faith, our belief, and commit our ways to him that no matter what the world do, we're committed to this all the way. Jehovah gives no instructions on how many of what animals were to be brought into the ark. Verse 19, And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shall thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female, of fowl after their kind, and of cattle after their kind, of every creeping things of the earth after his kind, two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And then Jehovah give Noah instructions on how much food was to be brought into the ark for both man and beast. Verse 21, and take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Only Jehovah knew when the time would come for the flood. Only he knew how long it would last. Therefore, Noah had to follow his instructions carefully in order to survive. And this portion concludes with Noah doing all that Jehovah commanded him. See, Noah was on that boat for a year. That's a lot of food. It's a lot of food for him, for his family, for those animals. There was no place for Noah to get food once they went on that boat. So he had to pack it. And he didn't know how long he was going to be on the boat. And the Bible doesn't tell us how much food Father told him to pack but because he knew how long they were going to be on the boat, they had enough. Noah had to walk by faith. He had to trust Jehovah 
with all of those other voices speaking contrary to what he believed he had heard. Verse 22, thus did Noah, according to all that Elohim commanded him, so did he. And that's the end of the teaching today. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You can find more inspirational teachings and download our free ebooks on our ministry website at arthurbaileyministries.com. Please follow us on Facebook at House of Israel Arthur Bailey Ministries, on Instagram at Apostle Arthur Bailey, on Twitter at Apostle Bailey, and you can subscribe to our YouTube page at Apostle Arthur Bailey One. If you're in the Charlotte area, please come and fellowship with us. We'll do our best to make you feel right at home. Our address is on our website at the About link under Contact Us. Again, thank you for joining us, and until next time, Shalom Saints.